Um, but we're going to return to our series that we've been doing, Foundations, and uh, as Simon said, we've been doing this for a long time, and we are going to do it right up until the summer. I feel like it's a really important series for us to talk about our foundations as church, foundations as individuals, and we've been talking about spiritual warfare uh, for a while, and uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we're commanded in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armour of God. And Simon led us through verse 16 last time, which is to take up the shield of faith. And uh, this time I'm going to be talking about taking up or putting on uh, the taking up, sorry, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6. And we're taking this up so that we're ready to fight because we want to teach you how to fight. We need to learn how to fight as Christians so that we can stand against opposition that comes to us in the spiritual realm. And so this helmet of salvation is, as I understand, because I'm not a soldier myself, but I've read up on it, that this was the last piece of equipment that was strapped on. It was the final piece of armour that needed to be firmly in place before going into battle. If you're going to go into battle, you've got to have your helmet on. Uh, the helmet was vital for survival. Why? Because it protected the brain, the command centre for the whole body. And of course, if the head is badly damaged, then the rest of the armour is of no good anyway, because, you know, you haven't got a head. So, uh, in learning to fight, we need to understand the importance of protecting our heads when it comes to spiritual combat. Most of the battle that we're involved in day to day is around the head it's around our thoughts it's a battle for the mind so we've talked a lot in this series already about the attacks of the enemy and the lies that he tells us but the greater battle often lies in what we tell ourselves the lies that we tell ourselves and the consequences of our thought lives can be more significant than any demonic attack or anything that happens to us, how we think, the lies that we tell ourselves. And you see, our minds have got incredible power to either liberate us or bind us. And so, and, and, and as we, uh, as we, how do I put this? I think that the risk for us is that we put off that helmet so easily, we put it aside and we start to think the wrong thing, start to think the wrong way. Um, but the helmet of salvation is called a helmet of salvation because it's meant to keep us safe. It's to save us. It's to, to keep us from harm, to keep us from trouble. I want to tell you a story. I've got permission to tell the story, but not to tell the name of the person that's involved. But some of you will know it, who it is, but because this is going on the internet, I'm not going to say his name. But somebody close to me was in hospital recently, seriously ill, uh, so sepsis and uh, after a knee operation became completely um, septic very seriously ill and uh, we prayed and we prayed and do you know nothing seemed to happen I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you pray it seems like there's an impenetrable wall and uh, eventually I went down to meet him he lives a couple of hours ago 
uh, a couple of hours away and as I got there the Holy Spirit just said to me you need to break curses over him I thought well how do I do that I'm not actually this guy's pastor <laughs> you know I can't just go in and say here I am Pew, I'm going to do all this uh, so I prayed a very general prayer because he wanted me to pray for him and at the end I said and Lord I just break any curses that might be there in Jesus name set you free said a very cool you know like it wasn't a big deal and then the wife picked up on this and said, I'm really glad you prayed about that because I feel like we've been under a curse. I thought, well, that's interesting. But I know this guy really well. And I thought, where did that come from? What was that about? And as I was driving away uh, the couple of hours back to Sully Hole, I felt God say to me, it's because he's been, uh, he's got a death wish. He's been cursing himself that's where it's come from I thought oh great how do I say that to him and where does that come from so after a little while after I prayed for him by the way he got considerably worse uh, which often indicates that there's a spiritual root when you go in and pray something and it gets incredibly worse after there's often a spiritual root in this so that kind of confirmed it but it wasn't great for him um, so eventually I was able to speak to the wife because he was too ill to speak to me and I said Look, this is what God said to me and she said, that makes complete sense. Five or six years ago, he was suicidal. And I had no idea about this. And in that time, he just didn't think he deserved to live. He felt like we would be better off without him. And I said, well, that's, that's what we're talking about here. That's self-cursing. And he needs to repent of that so that God can set him free. So I talked him through it. We prayed it through over the phone. And the next day, he started to get better. So whereas before we'd been praying, and there was like this impenetrable wall, suddenly every prayer we prayed was getting answered. And uh, amazingly, there's, so the particular bacteria, the culture had been grown, so they'd been tracking it all this time, so they knew which treatment to give him. After he prayed that prayer, the bacteria changed from one bacteria to another that was easily treatable. And, and he was home within the next couple of days. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. He's better now. He's doing really well. So thank you for all those others who prayed. But guys, I just wanted to share that story in this context because the battle for the mind is real. You know, what the lies that we tell ourselves are significant. They can limit us and our effectiveness as Christians. Conversely, Right thinking opens up a whole realm of kingdom living that is simply stunning. Wasn't it great to hear beautiful testimony this morning? It opens up a whole realm of encounter and experience of God that was never open to us before. When our thinking is corrected, when it's brought into that right place. Um, and I'm going to come on to that in, in a bit later. Because you see, our minds need to be renewed. That's what Paul says, uh, uh, they need to be renewed because we have the mind of Christ, which means thinking quite differently about, well, everything. Uh, the helmet of salvation means that we have the possibility of completely new thinking. So how's your thinking today? And why is it so hard to get our thoughts life, thought lives right? Well, it's about demolishing strongholds of wrong thinking 
and renewing our minds with right thinking. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Demolishing strongholds with wrong thinking and renewing our minds with right thinking. That's how the helmet salvation either gets removed or stays in place. So what's a stronghold? Well, from a natural point of view, a stronghold is a castle, a fortress. It's a place of strong resistance. Spiritually, it's got a similar purpose. It's an area of resistance in our thinking that's contrary to God and his truth. It's wrong thinking. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5, the weapons that we fight with, we've been learning about those, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. What to do to demolish strongholds? And he goes on to describe the strongholds. These weapons are designed to demolish. He says, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, literally, we arrest as an illegal invader every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we want to be thinking how Jesus wants us to think. So how are strongholds built then, if that's what a stronghold is? Well, a stronghold of wrong thinking doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it starts one brick at a time. And neither does one brick or one thought make a stronghold. In fact, most of these thoughts start out quite innocently. So, for example, lust... Stronghold of lust is a natural attraction that becomes an obsession and gets twisted. Starts out quite innocently. Wow, what a beautiful person. Or gossip. That stronghold, which can become so endemic even in churches, in organizations, starts with a natural care for others, but it gets twisted into putting other people down. Or jealousy. That twists healthy competition into destruction, even murder. So if we don't take captives these early thoughts as they come and make them obedient to Christ, they can begin to connect together and form a pattern of thinking that becomes a wall. (laughs) And then a wall becomes a behaviour And a behaviour becomes a habit, which in turn becomes a structure. And before you know it, you've got a whole building sitting on your head. A house of resistance living in your head. You can't get that helmet on, even if you tried. See, unless the stronghold is destroyed, you give a place of jurisdiction to the devil, who then begins to oppress you or even control some aspects of your life, And we've got an infestation, and then we need pest control. It's a pest. Strongholds are part of Satan's strategy to deceive individuals, couples, families, churches, communities, cultures, institutions, even nations, into believing and valuing anything that is out of alignment or in opposition to God. And what is true. But the devil doesn't build them. We do. Think about that. The devil doesn't build them. We can't blame the devil for those. We build them. We allow them. 
you know, we bring these things upon ourselves to some extent. That doesn't mean the devil doesn't tempt us or, that, you know, but ultimately we are responsible for our thought life. And so we have to deal with our own thinking or understand enough truth to weed out patterns of thought that contradict God's plan for our lives. Because otherwise we limit ourselves and we limit our thinking. Uh, limit ourselves with wrong thinking, I should say. And these things can be very subtle, you know. Uh, God pulled me up a couple of weeks ago. Is that okay if I just confess to you my own stronghold? <laughs> but he just pulled me up a couple of weeks ago when I was talking uh, with our hub team about how I didn't like to put myself forward. Uh, I didn't need to be at the front. I was just very happy to support other leaders. And I thought that around sounded really humble, actually. I thought, you know. But God put his finger on this and said, no, that's pride in disguise. Because actually what I was doing was denying something God had called me to do out of a sense of insecurity or even false humility. He got me. And so I said, Lord, I break agreement with that lie, the lie that I've told myself. And I choose instead to stand up and do what you've called me to do. I was actually liking the idea of standing in the back row and hiding a bit, but he called me out of hiding. I mean, was it a demonic thought? Well, possibly. Was it opposition to my calling? Not yet, but it could have been. It could have become an opportunity for the enemy to step in and to confirm my own worst fears and assessments of myself. Do you see how it works? But on this occasion, and I'm not saying I do it every time, I just thought, hey, this is a good one, I succeeded on this one, so I'll share this with you. On this occasion, <laughs> I captured these thoughts and made it obedient to Christ. And I kept that helmet back in place. Do you see? And so strongholds get built with every degree to which we oppose God in our thinking or deny what he says about us. And, and when we begin to do this consistently, we potentially give ground to the enemy, Satan, the father of lies. And then he has an opportunity to establish literally a stronghold or element of control over our lives. And so these moments of wrong thinking or events that occur in our lives can become like helmet removers. So, and he gets in, you see, by the cracks in our personalities or our thinking, the chinks in our armour. He gains a place or a, a foothold, and that's a climbing metaphor that Paul uses in Ephesians. It's those places that the climber gets their fingers and toes into to climb the rock face. They're kind of cracks which... Uh, leverage can be exerted upon it's places of weakness or vulnerability anybody got any of those you know a place of easy temptation you know lies that you're always a sucker for a sin that you just keep coming back to something that's been there for as long as you can remember and you kind of just accept it now I kind of grew up with this it's always been there it's just part of me it's part of my personality they're cracks. 
some people, so for give me a few examples. So for some people, it's easy to catch you in habits of negative thinking. Doesn't take much. Feel sorry for yourself. And before you know it, you're down negative alley and being beaten up by the dark adversary of hopelessness and morbidity. Anybody recognize that one? Yeah? Or an area that you feel guilty about because you've not resolved a conflict from your past or something that you've never been able to forgive yourself for. Never able to forgive yourself. That's a really common trap. That's a crack. And any time the enemy wants to, he can just pull on that one and says, oh, you can't do that. Don't you remember? Anybody experience that? Never able to forgive yourself. But guys, if God has forgiven you, who are you to hold yourself to ransom? Are you trying to save yourself? That's what that is. If I make myself feel bad for long enough, then maybe it'll be okay. I've paid the price. No, Jesus paid the price. How dare you try? <laughs> Somebody just got free when I said that. <laughs> Let it go in. That's freedom right there. Or a rejection issue that's never been addressed. And you just accept that this is the way it's always been, which means you'll easily feel rejected and find it hard to form any meaningful type of relationship. But God has accepted you. <laughs> and if God has accepted you, then... What's the argument? He loves you. Guys, I think that we all have these areas, you know. But beware of chinks that become footholds which can lead to varying degrees of oppression where you feel powerless to change. I've always got to be in control is the root of anxiety very often. What's the root behind it? That's the interesting thing for me. That behaviour, what's the root behind that? Where does that come from? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Anything that brings you into slavery, anything that brings you into a heavy relationship with God is the opposite of freedom. It was for, this is a freedom message today. It was for freedom that he set you free. And I know I've taken a while to just set this out, <laughs> to set out what is a stronghold and how does it work? What are your helmet removers and where are you vulnerable? I just felt like I needed to set it out for you. We need to understand the strategy that brings us into bondage. Habits of thought or behavior that just aren't God's best for you. You know? And you may have a stronghold. You know, even as I've talked, you thought, oh my goodness, I think I've got something there. Or varying degrees of oppression. Or, but ultimately, what that means is that powerlessness to change. I just don't feel like I can be free. So you may have a stronghold or you may be at risk of building one. And I think, as I said, that we all have these areas to dismantle because we're all works in progress. But it's also why we need to know how to dismantle them. Uh, how we dismantle wrong thinking and renew our minds with uh, right thinking.
And how we demolish them, sometimes it's one brick at a time, sometimes the whole house just comes crumbling down, you know. When we realize it we just, and we confess it to God, it, it's just broken. Or sometimes it takes a period of time. It, often it depends how long you've had it <laughs> because it becomes part of your personality. This is how I am. This is how I've always been. So dismantling that can take some time. But how do we do it? So we've got some powerful weapons. Demolishing strongholds, um, as we've read, um, we have these powerful weapons that are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes one opposing thought at a time. Other times it's the whole house crashing down. And there are three steps to this I want to just share with you now. And as we go along, we're just going to pray a little bit as well. So you okay for that? Get a bit of freedom today. Anybody else want a bit more freedom? There's always more freedom, you know. So firstly, we need to identify wrong thinking. So how do we identify wrong thinking? Well, we have to become very familiar with truth. (laughs) That's how we identify lies. It's by really knowing the truth very well. Because how can we identify the false without knowing what's true? And that's why teaching is so important. You know, I don't just stand here for fun. Mostly it's not that much fun. It's a lot of hard work. And mostly I feel like I haven't got anything much to say. Honestly, that's how it feels. That's the battle that people who stand front here live by week to week. Vicky just said some really kind things yesterday when she had to do a preach. But it's hard work, you know? So we don't just do this for fun. We just speak truth over people because it brings freedom. That's why it's so important. Uh, Reading the Bible regularly is really important because through it we are exposed to truth. Meeting together is really important. I've said this several times in the series that we stand together, we fight together. We need one another. Because once you get isolated, that's where you get beaten up. And so much wrong thinking gets challenged in the context of community. You know, often the thoughts that beat us up are the thoughts that we keep in our heads. It's when we bring them out, bring them into the light, that we can start to say, that is ridiculous, why am I thinking that? Or your friend might say, that's ridiculous, why are you thinking that about yourself? It's just great sometimes to say, do you ever think like this to someone, another believer? Do you ever struggle with this kind of thinking? What do you do about it? Or let, so let others challenge you about the way that you think. Sometimes it comes out of your mouth. Are you open to challenge when it does? Hey, you shouldn't be saying that about yourself. I say to people sometimes, don't you dare say that about my friend. You're saying it about yourself. Don't you say that about yourself. You're my friend and I won't hear that. You're not that person. We went um, on uh, retreat as a leadership team. I can't remember which one it was. We've been twice. I think it was the September one. And we set one another a challenge uh, because we're a fairly new SLT. I thought a really good way of getting to know one another is to introduce ourselves by our strengths. I'm Rob, and this is what I'm good at. This is what motivates me. This is what excites me. This is how I like to communicate, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, after I'd been going for a little while, I suddenly realized I was saying, this is what I'm really good at, but I'm not so good at that. 
or I'm really good at that, but sometimes I can come over like that. And then I waited at the end because then the idea was the team would give feedback to one another. And then I got this absolute storm of, that's not true, what you just said about yourself, that's not how you come over, that's not what you say, and you should stop saying that about yourself. I thought, whoa, caught, caught out. It was wonderful. We need one another. We need to affirm one another. That's what prophecy is about. It's about declaring positive stuff over one another. Have you got that kind of community around you? I just love our team for that reason. And then we did it. So I got my own back because then we went around the room. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we said some great stuff to one another. And then ask the Holy Spirit to show you anything that you're thinking about yourself or about your life that's false. Because you see, Jesus called him the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. So ask him to show you any lies that you are believing. Anything that you've been telling yourself that you shouldn't be. Make it part of your daily practice. So have you done that today? We're going to do it right now. So let's just take a moment, just spend some time with God because his presence is here. And just say, Holy Spirit, please search and destroy any lies that I'm telling myself. Ask him to show you right now. Yeah, I know, it could take a long time. <laughs> if anything pops up, don't search around too much. Just let it pop up on the screen. Imagine that your mind is, is that screen and just let it pop up on the screen and let it sit there for a bit just so that you recognize it. Any lies that I'm believing, Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's the first step. Just hold that for me there. And here's the second step. Now, if Simon was up here, he'd get you to share it with one another, but maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Um, I just looked at Simon to see then. But uh, I think there's something really powerful about sharing that with one another, actually, because lies get exposed through light, not darkness. When they're hidden away, that's how they stay hidden, and that's how they become a bondage to us. So sharing that with one another, say, look, this is kind of the stuff the Holy Spirit just raised in my thinking. Can you help me with this? Can you hold me to account for this? Can you ask me about this next week? But we won't do that right now. Second one is repent of wrong thinking. So now those thoughts have popped up on the screen of your mind. We need to repent of wrong thinking. And repent means to change the way that you think. But excuse me if I go on a little soapbox for a moment, because... I wonder if we've become a little bit too familiar with that phrase and what that means as Christians. Repent. Change the way that you think. I mean, repentance, is it still radically changing your life? Is it? Is it still radically changing your life? 
Has it still got the power to change your life dramatically? Not just the first day that you were saved, transformed from darkness into light, but is it an ongoing process in your life? Is repentance still powerful to you? I say this because I'm concerned that some of us are not seeing the breakthroughs that we should be in certain areas. Some of the fruits of repentance that we should be seeing and we're not walking in the freedom that's rightfully ours. I'm saying this not to shame you but to encourage you how powerful repentance is. You know, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. It just makes me feel sorry for myself. It's worldly sorrow. Repentance isn't just saying sorry. (laughs) It's a response from the heart that means I mourn over my sin. I, I take sin really seriously. I sorrow over wrong thinking. So renouncing of any ground that's been gained by the enemy to such an extent that we fundamentally change the way that we think. And although uh, repentance is a command in response to sin, it's also a gift of God that we can ask him for. And so if there's an area that you're stuck in, ask him for the godly sorrow that comes before the repentance. Ask him to help you to repent deeply from the heart, to disconnect even from the emotion of that sin. Ask him to make you truly remorseful over that sin. I know that the breakthrough moments in my life over the years, and I still need more, (laughs) have been when I've hit those moments of true remorse over my own sin. So just now then, you've got the things on your screen. Let's just go back to God. I know we're doing this on our own at the moment, but I want to equip you. I'm not just going to do it for you. I want to equip you in this moment and, uh, and say, Lord, those things that are up there on the screen, will you give me genuine remorse over my sin? A powerful repentance that sets me free and changes my life. Just take a moment to ask God for that. Give me a genuine remorse over my sin, Lord. Cause me to grieve over it, Lord. To get to such a place that I want nothing else than to radically change the way that I think. I need to change, Lord. I don't want to think that way anymore. You need to do this for me, Father. Thank you, Jesus. All right, step three. It's not enough uh, to just identify lies and wrong thinking, because if you do that, it's despair, honestly. You just get to despair. We actually need to renew our minds with right thinking, Um, to think new thoughts about ourselves, our lives, and about God. We have to replace wrong thinking with new thinking. So the lies you wrote up on the board there in your mind, you need the opposite truth to declare. So you can say, I renounce, I repent of that way of thinking, Lord, and I I receive and I accept that way of thinking. Right, wrong. No, the other way around. Wrong, right. Go from wrong to right. 
So uh, God doesn't require us. You see, I used to think, honestly, I used to think, you think I'm crazy, but I used to think the only way not to sin in my mind was to go around with an empty head. Just don't think anything. You know, just empty my mind of all these thoughts because they're all bad. They must be. And I realize that that doesn't work very well because the more I think about empty-headedness, the more, anyway, that gets you in a mess. It doesn't work. Actually, what the Bible says is you, you need to fill your mind with good thinking. <laughs> That's really good, isn't it? Don't just empty your mind. Fill it. In fact, don't even empty your mind. Acknowledge it, but ask God to give you right thinking. Finally, brothers, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, here's a list, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever's praiseworthy, think about those things. So if you're struggling with bad thoughts, choose this list instead. Okay, that person that I'm thinking about, I'm going to think about instead whatever's true about them. Whatever's noble about them, whatever I like about them, whatever I appreciate about them, I'm not going to think those other thoughts about them because I recognise that that's going to build a stronghold of resistance in my thinking and negativity that isn't godly. Yeah? You up for this? Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. You're just going to look on the media to see what people say about one another. Don't think like the world does. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, in other words, think like God thinks. Renewing our minds means that our thoughts line up with how God thinks. And we know how, when this happens because the renewed mind thinks differently to the human mind. It's got a different worldview. It's got a different understanding of what is possible. It sees new possibilities in old realities. And so there's some new thinking for us to get used to. I love this quote actually from Bill Johnson. He says, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. His. I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. What does God think about me? What are his thoughts towards us? How does he see us? So you know what I'm going to do? Take a moment now and just ask these questions. Just shut your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, Lord, will you just come right now? And just ask this question. Say, Father... How do you see me? Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you know there's a gossip going on in heaven right now about you. Holy Spirit, what does Jesus say about me? And say, Father, what does Jesus see in me? Just ruminate around those questions. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What do you think about me, Father? Thank you, Lord. Just be great to have a couple of people shout out the odd word or two of what God said to them. Just shout from where you are. What did God say to you in that moment? Don't be shy. 
precious. You're precious. Sorry. Ransomed. Ransomed. Wonderful. What else did he say? Anybody else? Child of God. Treasured possession. Accepted. Can you imagine what difference that would make to your life if you just took a moment every day just to do that? Start the day. Say, Father, what do you think about me? I need to know. (laughs) You are loved. You're accepted. You are clean. You're forgiven. You are precious and honored in his sight. You are protected and significant. You're someone that he wants to spend time with. Someone who has a hope and a future. You are righteous, redeemed, gifted. You're even glorified. You've got wisdom. You're beautiful. You're intelligent. You have good ideas. You think great thoughts. You are creative. You're a good person to be around. You are free. Any of the above is kind of what he says about us. And the difference, you see, between old thinking and new thinking is that some of these incredible ways of thinking don't just affect me and who I feel I am. They start to affect the way that we live so that the renewed mind begins to exhibit different thoughts and reactions to the world around us and things that happen in our lives. We're open to new possibilities in our impossibilities. Anybody need some of that today? See what you think of some of these. Alice and I went through this list yesterday. I said, wow, that's really challenging. So I didn't write this. I got this, or I've adapted it from a list that Chris Vallotton wrote uh, in one of his blogs. I'd say it was inspired by his blog. Seven signs of a renewed mind. Number one, check yourself with this. You live in hope. Any thought that is void of hope is rooted in a lie. Wow. So when something goes wrong, a transformed mind thinks, oh, I think that's going to work out. (laughs) Secondly, the impossible seems reasonable. Meaning that you're no longer limited by what is rational when you face the impossible. Because, well... When God says he's going to do something, you believe it. Anybody getting excited yet? Please feel free. Uh, Thirdly, you are able to be optimistic when others are negative, are you? Someone with a transformed mind doesn't have to think pessimistically. Can you say that to yourself? I don't have to think pessimistically. Because I expect good things to happen. Now, you are comfortable in your own skin. You even like yourself and can rejoice in your weakness, knowing that when you're weak, he is strong. I'm not perfect, as my wife will tell you, but I actually like who God made me anyway. So there. (laughs) Just joking. Um, I'm willing to change. Um, You are quick to forgive others. And give people the benefit of the doubt. Are you? You don't hold on to offence and are secure enough to confront in love when you need to. 
That's the renewed mind. The renewed mind thinks thankfully. You live thankfully, knowing that you have something you didn't deserve and you're grateful. Do you know this, sorry, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but this often affects our health, you know. Living thankfully. Why do we only pray about sickness when we're ill? Why don't we pray protection over ourselves when we are well and live thankfully? Just a thought to throw in. Because if we live thankfully, we're able to be generous with what we have and with who we are. If you're living with a poverty mindset, always struggling to survive, there isn't much left over to give away to others. You believe in other people and celebrate their successes. You want people around you to succeed and are generous with praise is that who you are it's really challenging eh but we need to put off some old thinking and put on some new thinking that's what it means to wear the helmet of salvation we need to put off some old thinking put on some new thinking I'll just finish with this verse from Ephesians 4 22 to 24 Where Paul says this, he says, You were taught with regard to your old way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, but to be made new in the attitude that's in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God. Wow in true righteousness and holiness. So this is a freedom message for you today. How are you doing with your thinking? You can think some new thoughts. God has given us the authority and the power to do that and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to declare over ourselves, I have the mind of Christ. I will think the right thoughts because of his spirit in me. Can we just stand together? I just want to pray for you. And I realise that I don't want you to just go away thinking, oh, that was an interesting sermon. I really want you to go away and work some of this stuff out. Maybe you need to listen to it again, or maybe you need to get the notes. I can send them round. But this, this could change your life. If we think differently, this will literally change our lives. And I've been carrying this message for several weeks, and that's honestly changing mine. It's really challenged me. Lord Jesus... We put our hands on our heads and say we have the mind of Christ. We declare that over ourselves, that we will think new thoughts. We'll think thoughts that please you, Father. So, Lord, come and renew our thinking by the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that we would think words, things of life, that we'd think things that bring life and freedom, not just to ourselves but to the world around us. Even as we go out on Monday morning to work, I pray that we would think with renewed minds. Thoughts of hope, thoughts that are positive, thoughts that give credit to people, thoughts that encourage. Oh, Father, forgive us for negative thinking and pessimism. Lord, you are not pessimistic about us at all. Thank you, Jesus, and help us to live in the knowledge of what you think of us. Help us to breathe that air of encouragement. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, we put on the helmet of salvation. We claim the protection of your blood. 
Renew our minds for your glory.